Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams, and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well, plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com Spotify. TommyJohn.com Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Alarm! Alarm! Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, where we continue with our story of the convoy HX231, and yeah. uh, which sets sail, leaves uh, early movement of convoy HX231, the 25th of March, leaves New York at 0850 hours, um, which is yep. five hours five hours um, ahead, isn't it? The, how are the yeah. timings working on this, Jim? What are we doing? Well, it's, um, yes, I mean, we, we, we left it on a on a cliff edge last week i seem to yeah. remember and yeah. um i've got to say i really enjoyed talk, doing that that yeah. chat about this convoy and the whole looking into this has just been fascinating so yeah, yeah so the the convoy there's lots and lots of different moving parts well in this the is the this is the thing when this you, when is you, the thing when you break and it down and worth, look at it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so when, when a convoy first sets out in this case it's setting although it's hx which means it's a fast convoy leaving from Halifax, Halifax. Nova Scotia in, Ca- in Canada. Most of the boats are not starting in Halifax. They're starting somewhere else. And in this yeah. case, they're starting in New York because a lot of the goods they're transporting are, of course, American. They're from the yeah. factories of Detroit and Willow Run and whatever they might be. So they're going from New York at 0850, which, of course, is plus five hours GMT and are we sticking with those American timings? Or are we uh, are we so well? This is the interesting <laughs> thing. So so they yeah. they they change as they go across the ocean. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be actually, minus five hours, isn't it? Is, is it I, I think it's it's it should be minus. Oh, I'm getting confused. <laughs> anyway, it's five hours difference. Let's just leave yeah, it at that. Fall yeah, <laughs> of the first little bit. <laughs> and what you would have is you'd have a the escort commander is the commander of the escort. Ship. So these are naval vessels which are there to protect yep. you. But yep. you also have a convoy commodore yep. who is the senior officer in charge of the convoy of the yep. merchant ships. And typically they're retired naval types. Yeah. And in this case, it's Admiral Sir Charles Ramsey, not to be confused with Admiral Sir Bertram Ramsey, of course. Yes who is a retired British naval officer who is yeah. being pulled out of his retirement, out of his sort of um, house in Bognor Regis, and um, told that he's now going to be commanding merchant vessels. So, yes, yeah, so he's only recently retired as commander-in-chief of Ross Seif. Yeah. And his flag is Tindereus, which is a blue funnel freighter. And the vice commodore, his deputy, is Captain McComb of the Jamaica Planter. The nominal speed of the whole convoy is going to be nine knots. Yeah. But actually... Overall, they average 8.74 over the course of the whole convoy, which I don't think is too bad. I wonder what it's like being the recently retired Commander-in-Chief of, uh, of Recife, and now you're um, on a blue funnel freighter. I wonder, I wonder. I suppose you're doing your duty, aren't you? You're doing your duty, but let's face it, you're not going to like it, are you? <laughs> you're going to feel that being on a freighter is a bit in for a dig, having been on a... Yeah. Being a yeah. naval man. You're, you're just, you know, cause, because, I mean, it's a bit like... 
It's a bit like all the fighter pilots sort of going. And I must say how marvellous the ground crew were all yeah. the time. You know, they always say it all the time. And and, and you always see this with, with naval types. I must just say, I have no praise too highly for our merchant yeah. sailor colleagues. Yeah. But you know they're kind of, they're sooner yeah. die than be a merchant seaman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 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 uh, 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 Admiral Sir Charles Ramsey maybe is doing this, performing this function with grit, through gritted teeth. Uh, uh, yes. But at least he's Your taking Your country part, needs you, Charles. I suppose. You're going to have to be a, com- a com- convoy commodore. He's back at sea. Very he well. Loves, he, he, he found being, he found his, he found his Bognor Regis uh, uh, retirement house boring, didn't he? And his uh, wife was sort of pecking him at a bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He had to get back <laughs> out Just had a bit too much. And he thought, actually, what I really need is the briny sea of the grey <laughs> North Atlantic. <laughs> anyway, so he's, <laughs> he's the commodore captain. Uh, convoy Commodore, rather. And they are initially escorted by three Canadian escorts from New York to Halifax. So that's two yep. Corvettes and one Bangor-class minesweeper, which for anyone who was at the um, Meistergeist at yeah. We Have Ways Fest will know that a Bangor-class minesweeper is considerably smaller yeah. than a landing ship. Yes, I remember that was one of the one of the questions. I think yes. it was. Uh, they're a mere sixty-two meters long. Oh, that's right. Yes, in our bigger, smaller thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very small. <laughs> but anyway, but, but it's not a big deal. So you could, you you know you don't really want a Bangor class minesweeper kind of escorting you. But on the other hand, there's not a huge amount of risk at this stage because the U-boats are now in the Mid Atlantic. They're not on the East yeah. Coast anymore. So yeah, you know, things have changed, and, and the journey is completely uneventful, um, except for just terrible weather and the return of the fj wolf which is an american tanker which has engine trouble yeah and of course that's your worst nightmare isn't it if well, you're if is, you're in a merchant ship your worst nightmare is you're two-thirds of the way or a third of the way across the atlantic and, and suddenly your wrong. engines pack up or your yeah. boilers start steaming and yeah. hissing you know yeah. the wrong things i mean that that's that's your worst thing i mean i i have that a little bit of getting into my citroen every morning the kind of the biggest danger is sort of getting stuck on the way to Salisbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be depth charged by, you know, I'm not going to be torpedoed. No. No. Um, um, better that the FJ Wolf realises it's got engine trouble at this stage than, yep. than later on. Yep. And a further, a three further ships leave the convoy and just, <laughs> just bug it off. I mean, yes, never told the Commodore. Yeah. I find that very, very interesting that they can, that you... They can you do know. what they like. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. multinational and they're private. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and as we'll see further down the line, um, ships do do whatever they like, actually. Um, although th- this is a point at which you can, and there's and and like as we've said, there's no great risk because the wolf packs of wolf packs are in the air gap. Basically, they've um, they know where it's safe, and this is not what this is not a safe safe place. It's not a safe space for yes. U-boats, man. It's not a safe space for U-boats. <laughs> no, just not. So anyway, so on the 20th, so that takes them a little while. On the 29th of March at 1400 plus four, 13 ships, uh, that's ours by the way, 13 ships under another escort group join the main body of the convoy. This is also just an absolute shocker because the weather up that coast at that point of time of year is just absolutely dreadful. Yeah, you know, it's a howling gales. It's it's sort of white white caps on the waves. It's it's probably even worse than it was when I was doing my SPS paddle. I mean, that bad. I mean, and it's- <laughs> you're such a hero, Jim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 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 you can imagine, you know, you, how how do you organise these ships in the middle of a kind of sort of low cloud and well and the sh- and a choppy sea i mean it's it's just interesting isn't it sea. because 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 they're trying to use flag signals they're trying to do as little as little radio as possible aren't they and if the weather's bad and you you can't see each other but you've got to be so you've got to be close enough to see each other but you also got to avoid collisions no one is moving quickly it's I mean, everyone's it's always, using fog horns like crazy yeah, can yeah, you just imagine extraordinary mm, yeah across the fog yeah really hard going yeah. um and so they're using light signals but but obviously yeah. these are you know in this weather even they aren't particularly easy to sort uh, easy to easy to spot so forming up to, you know it takes a little bit of a time and then there's a further five ships also join the convoy for a convoy from st john's in newfoundland so there's argentia which is the uh, american base and then there's st john's which is the canadian base um and they come under the under the escort of the corvette hms pink and a fifth ship, the Norwegian freighter Skibeli, also meant to join them, but but disappears off under its own steam again. The uh, the Scandies seem to have their own yeah. slight own thoughts on things. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose th- a little bit. Th- I mean, le- but let's not forget this is this is the, the last couple of months have been really really bad for convoys. So it, yes. it might be it might be that ships that 
some ships think it's too just the convoy is too dangerous. We'll take the chances on our own because yeah, after all the you know the ocean is enormous. The chances of being found, blah blah blah, you know, in in the Atlantic. Perhaps you perhaps you might think that in March of 1943, you might think actually yeah, maybe. a convoy just attracts attention to itself and is a target. So if we if we if we steam as fast as we can across the Atlantic, well, we've got a better chance of survival. I mean, this is a spoiler that Skabelli is torpedoed and sunk a few weeks later. So it doesn't work out for them. <laughs> doesn't work out. Whatever no. you do, don't go off on your own. That's the message. And haven't you learned this by now? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You would have thought so. So the main so. escort group, which is Escort Group B7, um, it's sailing to meet the convoy at the West Stomp. And we absolutely love an acronym or, or even an, an abbreviation. Western Ocean Meeting Place. <laughs> Did the British really come up with that? I don't think so. Uh, it, do- it doesn't sound. We're going to meet at the West Stomp. Surely they'd call yeah, it Piccadilly. We're going to meet at the West Stomp. Oh, Golden yes. Square or something. <laughs> Name it after replacing <laughs> Common Garden. <laughs> Common Garden. <laughs> it's, it's got the whiff it? of North America all over that, yes, I think. I think it has. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyway, they're going to West We're Arm. happy to be corrected by some of those. <laughs> we are very happy to be corrected. The, the British one would, is more likely to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Haydock <laughs> Park. <laughs> and frankly it'd be better for it Um, we're on the starter's (laughs) orders for the convoy and they're on b7 already (laughs) pink's our way first followed by vedette (laughs) anyway on the 30th of march um b7s got finally reaches the convoy after dark um so reports the position to of the convoy which is sent by um HMS Buxton, which is one of those old US destroyers, yep. 60 miles out. There's thick fog. Um, there's confusion over the formation of the convoy. And and actually, the, the escort don't even know how many vessels they're looking after at this point. You see, that's amazing, isn't it? Well, because, you know, Scabelli's buggered off. And, yeah, exactly. And there's other ships and, yeah, left, left before they even got to Halifax. I mean, the thing I mean, is, uh, is... I mean, you can just imagine they've got their bit of paper with all the ships on. Now, which one's yeah. here? And, you know, peering out, can't really yeah. see it. Incredible, so, isn't it? so it's, it's it's a process, and of course, this is all happening. This this is this is happening at Haydock Park. This is happening at West Stomp, you know, yeah. in, the, in the middle of the ocean, in fog, with a yep. rising swell, etc., etc. I mean, after dark. I mean, I literally can't think of a kind of sort of worse set of scenarios for meeting a convoy than that. Really, yeah. After dark, bad weather, fog, and you can't use radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, and. And you have to sail, so at some point you've got to go, right, everyone's here, uh, all present and correct, uh, as far as we know, let's go. Yes, I think so. And and do you do you think there's a sort of, this is B7's first convoy escort since yep. December, where mm. they lost their commander and, um, and commander's ship, and, and they've been reformed. So this is their first go. So I guess there's nothing kind of blase about this lot. But I guess, no. you know, if you're doing them every sort of six and eight days, there must be a kind of sort of you must get not, not blase. That's a completely sense wrong word. of routine. Sense of routine and sort of you know if they're not all there, well, that's just tough. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You can't faff around. You just got to get on with yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's got to be, hasn't there? Because it's happening so often. You can't sort of treat everything with total kid gloves all the time, can you? No, no. But but I mean the the point is is uh, part of the point here is that Peter Gretton is the who, who, who who's taken over as commander. Has yeah. made has worked really. He's used the time to work really, really hard on training the crews up and getting them up to scratch. He's found yep. the training. He's found the training not to his taste. So he's nope. worked particularly hard on it. And his and his thing is the is the uh, uh, particularly exercise um, stuff with aircraft because yep. because the you know we touched mentioned the air gap a moment ago. There is there is an air gap, but there is also a moment at which air comes into effect, and more and more the Allies are, are bringing air power into effect over the Atlantic, and he wants to make sure it works because he he, yep. he sees he sees its potential. I think it's fa- it's fair to say, uh, and so but also knows it's a tough gig and it's a really responsible yeah, yeah. gig, and, and there's, yeah, yeah. you know there's lots that can go wrong, and and I think what's interesting about this is we get into the into the detail of the convoy. What you realise is this is one of those things where experience is absolutely everything. Yeah, seamanship, experience, quick decision making, cool decision making. Yeah. You, the the difference between things going well and things going badly is a really, really narrow margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that 
and that experience counts for everything. So anyway, so they take uh, at twenty one thirty five. Are we using twenty four hour clock on this? It feels more nautical somehow. Let's do it. Why not? Yes. Yeah. Do you think? I think everyone can cope. Can't yeah, they? Okay, we can. Twenty one thirty five. That's nine thirty five for heathens. Yeah. B seventeen takes command of the convoy and the three Canadian escorts, including the uh, the Bangor class minesweeper of yep. sixty two meters long. Um, that leaves for St John's. They step out um, yep. in Newfoundland, so they're they've gone. So now B seventeen at twenty one thirty five is in charge of escorting the convoy. And on the thirty first of March, the day is spent. So suddenly the you know sun is up and all the rest of it. So that's the opportunity for them to sort of shepherd the convoy into the correct positions, make sure they're all in the right columns. Those who were listening last week will remember that the convoy is divided. Into a series of columns, maybe about sort of four to five ships each. So it's it's much yeah. wider than it is deep. It's about six miles wide, two miles deep, yeah. something like that. Well, and the numbers have been crunched that you can escort more ships with fewer um, escorts, can't you? That 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 that's right. A, a this lot is of Blackett, thought, Patrick Blackett. Yeah, Blackett. A lot, a lot of thought has gone into this. That width and length of the convoy that are the crucial things. And if you can get from the front to the back more easily, yes, uh, uh, because a, gr- a great deal of what happens later is to do with the you know if, if there's a Wherever the wind is coming from, you expect the attack to come from there. From the if the yes. new boat's going to attack, you're going to the, they're going to attack with the following wind, so they're going to beat down with the wind behind them. And so that so the assumption is you then you place your pickets basically in into the wind because that's where you think the new boat's coming from. So you could leave the far yep. end unguarded. Well, you're so, you're absolutely right, and they, and. Uh, and the other thing is, is the whole point about the U-boats is that when they're submerged, they're slower than the convoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're substantially faster than the convoy. They can do sort of, you know, 16 to 18 knots on the surface, but they can only do walking speed, you know, three to four knots yeah. underwater. So you really want convoy to come on to you. So you want to be lying in wait effectively so that yeah. you can then dive down and, and they'll come towards you and then you're in the right yeah. position. Yeah. So yeah. there's no point being behind it because yeah. the convoy is going away from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you're submerged, you won't be able to keep up. So, yeah. you know, that doesn't mean to say you don't need someone at the back because sometimes you do. But, but, but you're absolutely right that it's at the front and on the on the starboard and port beams that is a, yeah. is the that is where the, key where the issue worry is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I think it's very very interesting though that that, that I so ideally they'd have eight ships on this, but they have six. Is the is the yes the crucial thing, which is the thing that's to use the vernacular doing Peter Gretton's nut, isn't it? Is that he's thinking yes, and he hasn't got a tug a, for. Picking up, they need a tug. No. Usually, they have a tug as well um, mm-hmm. for helping uh, str- for helping uh, uh, stricken vessels or for picking up survivors. And they don't have. Yep. So they're short-handed and they don't have the tug. So he's he's quite worried about that as the as the convoy commences, isn't it? Is that it's going to be very? It is going to be challenging. Yeah, and you don't want to do your first convoy as a convoy um, escort commander. Sort of undercooked, do you? I mean, that's yeah. like sort of going into battle with not enough Bren guns or whatever. I mean, you know, yeah, you yeah. just you just wouldn't. Um, so they spend the day of the 31st of March um, shepherding the convoy into correct positions, counting heads, so finally yeah. they can work out you know, how many they've got, um, and exchanging <laughs> info with, with Commodore Ramsey, who's yeah. you know, the, uh, the convoy Commodore. And then the afternoon of the 31st, HMS Pink, who you may remember was escorting from St. John's, um, joins them with four ships, those four ships from St. John's. So now, HMS Jim, Pink is another, another corvette. Jim, Commodore Ramsey, his duties are to... Basically, if the if the escort um, uh, commander says right, okay, everyone, we're we're going we're going back to Halifax, whatever. He tells the yep. convoy, so he's sort of he's the waypoint in terms of uh, uh, between the royal Na- between the naval escort and the and the merchant navy in that in that regards. And and yes, and whatever he says to the, the merchant navy that, that you know they're supposed to do, but of course, if of they're course they multinational, uh, yeah, they can sort of do what they want. Yeah, but but it but obviously there's another reason for wanting to have a retired admiral there because you know here's someone who's actually been around the block who knows what he's talking about. He's you know he's Navy. not so you know you can never accuse him of being wet behind the ears, could you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he's a reliable chap. Is what we're after here. So Very there's 30, 36 British ships, fourteen American, six Norwegian, three Dutch, one Swedish, and one Panamanian. I mean, is that interesting? But on yeah. the cruise, a large number of the crews are from Asia. Yes, well, that's the interesting. So lots of merchant it? merchant sailors are Indian. Um, Filipino, yeah, um, from Ceylon, as it yeah. was Sri Lanka, all these sort of places. You know, a really, really large proportion, a disproportionate number. And frankly, that may be one of the reasons why we haven't really paid them much attention because we tend to sort of look after our own, don't we? Historically, well, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I know. mean, you know, this is the, the thing is, is the, the the escort end of things is a Duke effort. So you have the Canadian Navy involved in all that sort of stuff, 
and the and 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 U.S. aircraft and all that sort of thing. As you say, who the the crews are global. They're, I mean, they're they they can be from anywhere, literally. Um, yeah, uh, they really can. And of those, twenty two are tankers. So this is you know the all important diesel, motor fuel, aviation fuel, alcohol, vaporizing oil. And one cargo that's labelled as burning oil. I mean, what the heck? What is that? Is that sort of stuff you're putting in your church? Oh, I don't know. Crocodile? Don't know. Anyway, it's burning oil, in inverted commas. Don't know. Um, 39 dry cargo ships. So mixture of just incredible amount of stuff. So wheat, sugar, one ship's got 10,000 tonnes of dates. Really? That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, why would anyone need 10,000 tonnes of dates? In my own view, it's kind of two's more than enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't like them at all. That, that well, I don't that. like them. They just—they've got that sort of horrible sort of skin, haven't they? And then you've got yeah, to fit around I with just, a stone in the middle. I don't of like them. them. That oh, one can go to the bottom. So I'm right with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, zinc, iron ore, copper, chemicals, explosive timber, trucks, tanks, aircraft, landing craft, general cargo, condensed milk, beef powder, yuck, machinery. But I mean, six hundred thousand tons. That's amazing. But that takes us, I mean, these cargoes take us back to the point we made last time, which is that, you know, Arthur Harris thinks that what you do is bomb the U-boat factory in order to, in order to stop the U-boat threat. But if you don't, but, but, but these cargoes tell you how important these cargoes are and how for every one of these that goes to the bottom, you, you, you've got less ability to bomb the factories that the U-boats are being produced from. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's sort of blind it, when it's laid out like this. It's blindingly obvious, isn't it? I mean, he's a clever man. Make no mistake, um, Arthur Harris. But but that he would not see this, I think, is quite interesting. It's, it's extraordinary how sort of blinkered he is on this sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and and you know, it's sort of only only area bombing will do. I mean, yes, but sometimes there are other things to do with your bombers and other priorities. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's curious how he can't sort of. Yeah, it's Does he very, really very think that, or is he just think I've got to keep up the pressure? I'm kind of pushing for my my command. I think he really does believe it. Yeah, I think he does. I, it's uh, but it's ideological, isn't it? He's he's it's an yeah. ideology that the air people are ideological in their in their approach rather than pragmatic in their approach to the um uh, uh, the air war. And then there's some naval supply ships and mail. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, which is of course yep, incredibly yep, yep. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it absolutely is. So we should do a bit of background on escort group B seven. Yeah. Explain who's who. So yeah. they're reformed in January 1943, as I mentioned a little while ago, after a succession of losses and tragedies, which culminated in the loss of Commander Eric Tilden on his ship HMS Firedrake, which was torpedoed and sunk on the 11th of December 1942. And Tilden's killed. Um, so Gretton takes over, and Commander Peter Gretton is, you know, he's just absolutely one of your top draw people. You know, he's he's... Joined the Royal Navy as a cadet from Dartmouth, so he's you know he's absolutely been on this since a fourteen year old. Because when you go to you go to Dartmouth for fourteen, it's like going to a public yep. school. In between the kind of maths, French, and English, and Shakespeare, it's it tons being of drill Navy. and yeah, being Navy and tying knots and yeah. Um, uh, so he served on the aircraft carrier Courageous. He then sees action on the cruiser HMS Durban during the Abyssinia crisis and the Spanish Civil War. And he also led a landing party in Haifa during the Arab Rebellion, for which he won a DSO. I mean, that, you, you know, a DSO, is a, that's the sort of stuff that Paddy Main gets awarded. DSOs are not handed out willy-nilly at all. So he then, after that, he goes on an anti-submarine course at Portland. So he's, he's got all the paperwork to go with his appointment. And by the outbreak of war, he's on the destroyer HMS Vega as the first lieutenant. First lieutenant is the kind of number one. It's the kind of second in command. So he then joins HMS Cossack, which, as we will, those who listen to the tribal class one will know, is a tribal class yeah. destroyer. And um, as a first lieutenant again, and he's at that second Battle of Narvik, which is the kind of, you know, the six German destroyers all sunk in the harbour. Um, yeah. And then he's given command of, of the destroyer HMS Sabre in 1941, does his stint in the North Atlantic. So he's then promoted to lieutenant commander on the 1st of June 1942 and given command of HMS Wolverine in the Mediterranean. And this is where he gets his second DSO. I know, on pedestal. Uh, I mean, so on, this guy. On this, Operation Pedestal. I mean, this guy's been there, got the t shirt. Um, uh, oh, uh, man. He's done yeah. it. And I think it's really interesting that he's there doing, you know, he's on tribal classes, which are are basically kind of fleet escorts. He's been in the Mediterranean, which is a very different kettle of fish to operating in the Atlantic, of course. He managed to sink the Italian sub Dagobah, which by ramming it, which is quite a thing. You just basically just charge straight into it. Yeah. Um, and then he's promoted commander on the 31st of December 1943 and made commander of B7 on the destroyer HMS Duncan. And by this time, he's 31. 
I mean, one of the interesting things at the I end mean, of his... 31 is just yeah, nothing, is it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. At the end of his book, he talks about the pros and cons of ramming, which I think is very, very... He gets into the... It's very, very interesting. He says, you know... <laughs> I can think of a few cons. Well, well, the, the, the main con is, you know, you might smash your sonar in, uh, dome in, you might you might damage the well, ship yeah, and all that. But he, says, dome, yeah. he, but he says, basically, if you, uh, if you see... Um, you know, if your submarine's going for a, for a capital ship, going for an aircraft carrier, then of course you ram it with your destroyer without hesitation. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what one should do. But if yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. a convoy and you know you don't want to damage, you know, so so like basically, it's glowworm, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It sort of weighs in up. It's amazing seeing it in print. Something weighing up the pros and cons of, of ramming submarines. <laughs> ramming yeah, yeah, boats. yeah. Amazing, isn't it? That he's Absolutely got that amazing. calculus on board and that that's the kind of decision making you have to make um it's yeah. quite something because, because because obviously ramming ramming works um uh on subs pretty well is the is the yeah it's the thing <laughs> yeah well yeah it's, it's pretty effective it's just as you say it's the kind of damage you might cause he's very tough hms duncan is out of action it's being refitted so he's not on hms duncan duncan for this you, you would expect an escort group commander to be in a in a destroyer at the very very least but he's not yeah. because duncan's being refitted and so he's in He's in a um um uh, in a frigate um HMS Tay. He comes up with a really good point, and he says this, and this is goes back to what we were just saying a few minutes ago. Yeah. While lectures on convoy problems and exercises on tactical tables all helped, it was only the years of hard slogging across the Western Ocean which gave the ingrained skills needed. They were highly specialized qualities which required a mind which was quick to react to circumstances ready to absorb new ideas, able to use the imagination which put itself in the enemy's place, and above all, eager to draw on the distilled experience of many ocean passages. While personal qualities were obviously important, the experience was essential. There's yeah. so much there, isn't there? Because because I think I think ready to absorb new ideas, absolutely, you've got to keep up to speed. Yeah. You know, you can't be a technophobe. Putting your 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 eyes in the you know, putting your, your yourself in the in the eyes of the of the enemy, absolutely important. I mean, one thing that Hitler could never ever do, he always yeah. looked at everything through his own worldview. Being big enough to draw on on the experience of others and not think you yeah. know all the answers. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's fascinating the way he puts this like this because it it, it is very much a sort of you know that the, the U-boat arm is on the reverse heading of this to to use a nautical metaphor, you know that they're, they're they're running out of people with experience. The years of hard slogging yep. in the Western Ocean and the ingrained skills needed are being are being frittered away because they've never com- they've never committed completely the, the the question of how you fight in the atlantic yeah. as ever the germans have been doing things piecemeal because they've only got so much to go round i think it's very yeah. you know that he says it's the many the many the years of hard slogging across the western ocean that it's basically that the u-boat army is running out of those people you know preen and all those people are gone that exactly exactly uh, and, and that it, is that's it and it's the it, it's the depth of the allied pockets in this instance because you're starting with a larger number in the first place exactly and every destroyer captain you don't um uh you know kill or or drive out of the business is becoming yeah. more and more experienced with every convoy and how many convoys you know if they're going every six days there's a, a great big sort of lacuna of experience being worked up in in the in the processes well there's three hundred eighty three thousand individual allied shippings during the second world war so obviously a lot of those ships are Doing it more than once, yeah, yeah. But still, every trip, every trip is uh, is experience. Um, I, I tell you what, let's 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 take a let's take a quick. And then we break. look at the other ships, can't we? And then we quick look at the other ships. Then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll see you in a second. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Weird Ways to Make You Talk. So, uh, the ships of we're, B7. We're continuing our odyssey, aren't we, we of, of, yeah. of Convoy HX231. Yeah, so interesting, because because HMS Duncan, which is his flagship, I suppose, for, for Escort Group B7, because that's out of action, it's not like all the crew just jump into a Corvette. Duncan is out of action. That means the crew are out of action. So he yeah. cadges a ride on another of the B7 yeah. vessels, which is HMS Tay, which is a Corvette. I mean, a yeah. frigate, rather. He's just catching a ride. So his crew are basically back in Liverpool or Derry or wherever they are. But that suits um, him because then he's, 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 the, he's the escort commander rather than having to run a ship at the same time. So he's only got to wear the one Exactly. Hat, yeah, yeah, so for his first stint as, a, as, a, as an escort commander, it's probably not that bad, bad a deal, really. HMS Tay is a frigate. Frigates are they're bigger and faster than corvettes. Um, but they're slower and smaller than destroyers. So, you know, you really are going up in scale. So it's sort of, you know, mine layers like the Bangor class are the kind of smallest. Then you're going to the Corvettes, which are not much bigger. They're like 72 meters long, yep. something like that, yards long. And then you're going up to um, Corvettes. So in the case of HMS Tay, it's got a speed of 20 knots. It's got two four-inch guns and a complement of 140 men. And it is commanded by Lieutenant Commander R.E. Sherwood, Royal Navy Reserve. So R&R means basically that's like a proper TA. This is not a volunteer reserve. This is this yep. is like a it's like a sort of next next stint up. So you yep. do sort of training weekends and the odd sort of you know equivalent of the summer camp in August before the war, and then you you pull on to sort of permanent footing for the duration of the war. There's one destroyer in the escort group, which is HMS Vidette, which is commanded by Lieutenant R Hart, RN. So he's a he's a regular, but hasn't been promoted that highly. He's spent most of his time on destroyers in the Mediterranean, but he's obviously one of the guys that one of the commanders that that Gretton feels he can rely on most. You know, during the training, he obviously stood out, yeah. as you'd expect him to as a kind of regular Royal Navy man, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can detect a little bit of that in this, can't you? That that a tiny, just a tiny bit. That that because he's because of, of course, yeah, yeah exactly. Because in because in the book, he sort of says, of course, the, everyone's as good as everyone else, but you think. Yeah, you like the navy guys most, but you know. So, so Vedette's an old. Vedette's a bit old school. It's kind of it's it's an older. It's a pre-war destroyer. Um, it's yeah. had one of the boilers removed and extra fuel tanks fitted so that it can now be a long-range escort rather than one that operates in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, and it's got a max speed of twenty-six knots, which is not slow, but it's not you know it's not travel not as quick class as it could levels. Be. Yeah. Not as quick as it could be. But 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 Gretton thinks highly of them, and and it's yeah. absolutely clear that that as far as he's concerned, after Tay, Vedette is his number one go-to, um, yeah. and also because it's a destroyer, that that just does give it greater speed and maneuverability than the others. Because there's this temptation to think that the sort of the corvettes and the frigates, because they're smaller, they're kind of like little sports cars or something, and sort of can beetle about. But absolutely, that is not the case. Yeah. At all. The smaller they yeah. are, the slower they are. And that's because yeah. they're and kind of one screw rather than two screws. So what I'm yeah. like, that means is, is there's only one propeller and one sort of drive shaft rather than two. Yeah. Do you have well, a destroyer? And not and not drawing as much the heavier seas is more difficult to to, to cope with. Um because the Corvettes yeah, of course, yeah. And everything else is a Corvette. So so Corvettes are uh, an absolute nightmare in in rough seas. I mean, it's this whole thing about how you know you're lucky if you get to eat food sliding off your plate yes. off the table. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. absolutely everyone's wet the whole time. Yeah, it's a complete nightmare. Um, I mean, it's a uh, quite a small vessel going across the Atlantic. And there's four of those: Elisma, Pink, Snowflake, and Loose Strife. <laughs> yes, but what's really interesting is that there's there's Two Aussies. So yeah. Lieutenant Commander M.G. Rose of the Elisma, he's an Aussie, and he's got yeah. three other officers who are all Aussies, but the rest of the crew is British. Yeah. Um, and they've actually done more training on anti-submarine operations. And so yeah. from that point of view, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty up. Rose is, a, is an accountant in civilian life. What yeah. were you in civilian life, Ryder? Um, <laughs> I was an accountant, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was an accountant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Um, then you've got um, Snowflake, HMS yeah. Snowflake. And these are all, uh, I should also add that these are, so, so not Corvettes, frigates are river class. So yeah. they're, they're named after rivers, HMS Tay, 
as after the River Tay. And most of the Corvettes are flower class, so they're named flower after class. flowers. Elisma's not on my list of wildflowers. They're, used, I'm particularly they're, they're, of. Operated, they're operated by everyone. The Royal Navy, the Canadians, the US, the Free French, Greeks, everyone uses um, these flower class Corvettes. Because um, they're, they're cheap and easy to make. And they're titchy. You, you, you know, you look they're at the pictures of them, you can see that they're titchy. That that is the right that is the right word. Anyway, um, yeah. So so on HMS Snowflake, Lieutenant Harold Chesterman. He's also an Aussie. He's been in the I mean, Merchant Navy earlier in his career. I mean, <laughs> his first lieutenant is a New Zealander. I mean, it's quite funny, isn't it? Could, uh, HMS Snowflake. I mean, we, <laughs> it's not. It's not. I, I, I mean, not, could I not be on HMS Snowflake? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I don't know that I want to be on pink or... Oh, I think pink's all right, isn't it? Yeah, pink's all Elisma. right. I think HMS Snowflake. Loose Strife. I mean, that's a bit That's a bit kind of... Could be read the wrong way, couldn't it? Don't you think it's a the, bit? Yes. It's very strange. It's, H, it's the Compass Rose in the Cruel Sea. Compass Rose, yeah. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Yes, HMS Snowflake. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> that's, why that's tickling. Why I just don't know whether I want to do it or not. I'm feeling a little bit tired. I need to lie down. <laughs> it's all a bit rough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is interesting, though, isn't it? Because you know these convoys are important, yet they haven't got a they haven't got a full blown uh, you know a, a, a modern destroyer on it, and they're short short handed. There should be eight, and there are there are there are six. I mean, I think that's yes. quite interesting in itself, isn't it? At this stage yep. of the Battle of the Atlantic, there's still not quite enough of what's needed. No, no, it just isn't, is it? You think they're all going to be absolutely kind of, you know, bursting with escorts and all the and there's only and all one, things they need, but not better. And there's only one Huff-Duff on the on the convoy, which I think is really, really yeah, interesting. Mm. You know. Where, where uh, all Huff-Duff, the destroyers now have got Huff-Duff. Yeah, because uh, uh, Huff-Duff, Huff-Duff is the thing how by which you locate um uh u-boats you know if the ship with the huff duff goes down <clears throat> then yep. you're 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 really you're really you're in trouble aren't really you? in the in, uh, you're really yeah. stuffed yeah, yeah 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 he's also there's one hms loose strife he's not gretton is not confident of the of the captain yeah. he's called lieutenant andrew campbell doesn't yeah. rate him at all thinks he's too old doesn't have the highest the high standards and sort of dynamism of yeah. of the others yeah, doesn't seem to be kind of eager to learn, and and just doesn't feel he's the right man for escort work. He he just feels yeah. that that he doesn't want to be relying on him. Yeah, he's he's happy with all the others, but he feels that loose strife is the weak link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I guess you know, chances are you're always going to have one. I mean, if you're rating some people highly, there are going to be people people you rate less highly, aren't there? I mean, it's it's, it's inevitable, isn't it? Yes, but but it, but it's more than that. It's not that he just doesn't rate him very. He just doesn't rate him at all, does he? No. But it's interesting. But I don't know too- whether this is because of retrospect, because Loose Strife doesn't have a great convoy, to be fair. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and maybe that's kind of retrospective. But but you you sense that there's sort of doubts in the training period. But he's yeah. thinking, oh, well, maybe he'll come good on, yeah. on the escort. So, yeah, um, yeah, yes, there's a great gag about Corvettes, isn't it? That, that they roll all the time. The gag, the gag is that a Corvette would roll in an enclosed dock if it was left yeah. to its own yeah. devices. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just really, really hard. Those those vessels, mm. really, really tough. And those t- those other tales. I mean, I know he, um, Nicholas Montserrat does it so clearly in the Cruel Sea, and that's the whole point of the book. That it's called the Cruel Sea, but but you know, those North Atlantic convoys in winter going up the kind of you know up towards canada and then across i mean that's a that's a really really tough gig it's awful yeah Horrendous. see i'd I quite like to be a young officer because i was on a tribal class yeah but that'd you, be quite fun yeah yeah but but, but you might not be but you might not be <laughs> you might be <laughs> on a corvette Another Corvette, you're short of officers, so there's no doctor. The chief petty officer is no. in charge below decks. I mean, so so the officers have to the officers have to do more. You've got to, and you, you you've got to make less go further in a way on a Corvette, haven't you? I mean, it's 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 tough that I think, but obviously yeah. it is the, it, it. I mean, it is fascinating though that you've got some of the new tech. So huffed up, there's the one ship with a huffed up, but they've all got hedgehog. The the, the thing that's supposedly ch- changing everything in terms of how you deal with. U-boats and Hedgehog is, is yeah is yeah. Should we just explain what Hedgehog is? Yeah yeah yeah. It's a spigot mortar. So, yes. uh, uh, long-term listeners who, who who love to bring up the Piat, um, this is a direct a direct cousin of the Piat, and a, a yes. spigot mortar is the tube is on the the tube is on the projectile. So it's a it's a prong that the that the weapon sits on and and is fired. Right. So not from a tube. The tube is on the on the projectile. And basically, Hedgehog is a multiple warhead weapon. That fires yes. a spread of spread of depth charges, 
but they're not depth charges, they're contact charges. So when they hit the submarine, they explode. They explode, otherwise they don't. But the, but the other big thing is is that your your ASDEC, ASDEC your, your sonar, has a dome in, in, in front. It can, it can pick up in front. Yeah. So in front of you or behind you, but it can't pick underneath you. So when you're over yeah. it, you can't, it, can't it, see it, it switches off. And the problem with depth charges, you, they, they kind of get pinged out of the side of the boat, out yeah. of the vessel. Yeah. So it's really hard to hit it accurately, whereas the point is with the hedgehog is you can spray them forward or back yeah. while you've still got Aztec contact. And that's, yeah. that's the big the big difference and hedgehog 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 is really is is regarded as the sort of future weapon at this point isn't it and the thing that's going to yes the thing that's going to really have a big effect but obviously yeah. your your asdic your asdic is limited in in what it can do so it's 2100 yards in calm sea but less when rough so you've got to get very 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 close i mean i think this is the this is the really interesting thing about these these submarine encounters is you do you know you do have the destroyers or the or the corvettes rather frigates, whatever, have to get close to the U-boat in order to, to strike yes, it. Yes, they do. But also, a big part of what they're trying to do is deter the U-boat full stop, give the U-boat the impression it's been spotted all the time. And one of the things is one of the things that happens as, as the convoy unfolds is the zigzagging that the, 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 the escorts is doing convinces the U-boat that they've been spotted, even though, that, yep. even though you know, because what's brilliant about Gretton's book, and I really recommend it to people, is that, is that he matches up He's gone and looked at the U-boat logbooks of the surviving U-boats and matched them up to what he thought the what the convoy yes. logbook logbooks said. So very often it'll be that one of the ships will be saying, well, "You know, we thought we'd seen a U-boat here, so we we did action." And the U-boat, none of the U-boat logs say that that happened at that time, and the, and yeah. vice versa. And I think that's really, yeah. really that's really really interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, that, that, yeah, it's fascinating. So much of it is about is about the appearance Second of guessing, isn't it? Yeah, guessing and the appearance of vigilance and the appearance of to make the enemy think that you've spotted them or that you're about to spot them or that they're in danger of being spotted. So, so, so this, I mean, as a description of cat and mouse, I mean, it, it, it couldn't be it couldn't be any more any more like that, could it? It's no, absolutely, it, it's fascinating. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because because the U boat's job is to sink vessels yep. and nothing else. That's all it's got to do is to sink yep. sink vessels. Whereas actually, the escorts they. Obviously, good news for them if they do sink a, a U-boat. But actually, the process of sinking a U-boat can end up being quite a time-consuming thing and distract yeah. you. What yeah. you really need to do is stop the U-boats from being able to hit the ships. So, to engage so the ships, that's yeah. the primary role. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's to basically get it, keep getting them- get it sinking. Sinking U-boats is a, is a nice boy byproduct, but it's not the most important thing. Yeah, the most no, the most important thing is because because what Preen would do is get inside the convoy and then pick pick off ships at leisure inside the convoy. So the big yeah. idea is to make sure that no one can get to that that the U-boats can't get in and can't you know uh, can't engage. And and a big part of it is if you can chase a U-boat off, flatten its batteries, slow it down, get it to burn fuel, get it to fire torpedoes aimlessly and pointlessly, then that's working. That's that's good. To, that's Exactly. It's much part of the job exactly. as anything else. So all of them have got radar. All of yep. them have got depth charges. Depth charges are now filled with with Torpex, which is much more powerful explosive. Yep. They've all got Aztec, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, although only Tay is fitted with Huff Duff, yep. which you can sort of, you know, pick up and 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 um all the rest of it, the MT, the motor transport Erin, does also have a high frequency receiver. So it can pick up um, signals transmitted by U boat. It's not quite as sophisticated as Huff Duff, but but yeah. but it's yeah, sort yeah. of. And with Huff Duff, there's the gr- there's the ground ray, isn't there? Which is the which is yes. the transmission through the li- literally the, the closer range transmissions. You know, within 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 twenty five miles, you can you can find a find a lo- locate a U boat, and they're getting yep. Huff Duff stuff from the Admiralty as well, aren't they? They get they're getting told they are Huff, Huff Duff signal here, Huff Duff signal there. Yes, and that's so they- coming in through for, for, by Morse. And and he's, I mean, he's coded, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the the, the two seven one radar that everyone's got can can spot a surfaced U boat at eight thousand yards away. So so that's it. That's interesting in itself. That they, they've got the eyes and ears are pretty good, and the U boats do not have radar. U boats, no. no, they do not. They do not because well because they never discovered they never created the cavity magnetron. That's the big no. thing, which yeah. is the thing that that reduces the size of radar. Yeah. They they never do it, and they never realise that that the Allies had it in any point in the war. I mean, yeah. it's interesting though, isn't it? Because once the convoy get, once they start having all these contacts, what you're regularly finding is is 
in theory, an ASIC can pick up kind of sort of two and a half thousand yards and and yeah. uh, um, radar eight and a half thousand yards. But in reality, what you're saying is picked up a, a radar contact at two and a half thousand yards, yeah, yeah. and ASIC picked it up at six hundred. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you, and that's you, because you, of the weather and, and the, divide the everything by a third, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So, so listen, before all- we finish, we really should yeah. just get on to what happens on the <laughs> start of the convoy. Yeah. Um, so um, those are all that, that, that. Oh, yes. And the other thing I should say is is that the later on they can call on a on a support group, which is um, uh, four destroyers, which are going to come and support them later on. And also there will be aircraft um, operating from Northern Ireland and from from Iceland. But, but but until they kick in, they're kind of on their own, just the six of them, the six escorts with this 60-mile perimeter of 61 vessels. So on the 31st of March, uh, Vedette stocks up with fuel from the British escort tanker British Order. And on the 1st of April, the and, BDUHQ... And Royal Navy um, uh, a doctrine to refuel whenever you possibly can. Because you, you never know when you might need it. You never know when you might next be unable to. So you, you refuel... If you possibly can, so Vidette stocking up with fuel at that point um, becomes becomes actually it's important that that has happened. Anyway, so the first of April, um, um, a new, so, the, so the BDU is the sort of U-boat headquarters. They order a new wolf pack called Leuvenhertz. Been practicing L- Leuvenhertz. Leuvenhertz, which means lion. Leuvenhertz, which means lion heart. Um, and they yes. they're ordered to intercept the, the next eastbound convoy, which is this one. And it's 15 U-boats. 15 U-boats are ordered to form a patrol line and a bearing of 350 degrees. It's 280 miles long. So essentially a picket. And the idea is, is yeah. whoever spots it tells the others. So at one minute past midnight on the 3rd of April, so up until that point, the convoy is sort of moving along quite... So, so how, it, how it works is is it's a bit like a... a, like a like a transatlantic flight you're going up north before you you know to drop around to sort of so you're making the most of the curvature of the earth well they do the convoy they don't just go straight across they go they go north up and, and sort of not that close to iceland but sort of closer to iceland and greenland the idea being of course is that you're then within closer range of of aircraft that's a, that's the main reason for it rather than the yeah. shorter distance anyway at, at one minute past midnight on the 3rd of april learn hurts is ordered to move at four knots on a course of 260 degrees. But one of the, one of the U-boats, U-169, has already been sunk by a long-range B-17 on the 27th of March. But BDU, the Befelfuhrer, or whatever it's called, um, <laughs> the U-boat, the U-boat headquarters. Uh, uh, what is it? Stabel. <laughs> what is it? Befehlshaber der U-Böte. That's it, U-Böte. Befehlshaber der U-Böte. So, you do it so well. Um, but but on the but it's only on the 2nd of April that they realise. So the line is adjusted accordingly. So they're, they're kind of sort of manned down a bit. Yeah. On the day of the 3rd of April, uh, Vedette, Tay and Pink also refuel. Yeah. So proving your point. Um, and obviously this is in itself not a, an easy operation because you've got to right. sort of drop, you know, floating... Uh, um, pipelines into the sea, pull up alongside, pick them up, bring yeah. them over, link them all up, get the fuel across, detach, move on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, it's 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 a I, it's a performance. And Gretton sees refueling um, uh, uh, regularly as a sort of a virtue in itself, doesn't he? Because it means you practice refueling regularly, so you get better at it. So, yes. so if you yep. if you if you if you do it regularly, you get better at it, and if you're better at it, it's quicker. And it's easier, and you need to do it anyway, and all that sort of thing. I mean, that which very much is his attitude to training, isn't it? Is that the, the more you do something, the better get you get at it. So let's do it. I mean, is is yes. very much yes. his, his way of looking at things. In rough weather, much depends on smart drill and skilled ship handling. But it's also bloody dangerous because you, you yes, know you're back of the boat. I mean, I don't know if you. Have, I mean, have you ever been on a wartime destroyer? I mean, they they, they basically you've got the deck the drop down into the sea, and yep. then you've got like a single chain fence around the edge. Yeah. And that's it. And, and in you go. So the opportunity yeah. for falling over, it's not like a sort of wall keeping you in or anything. I mean, it, it, it's its pretty dodgy. At 0817 on the 3rd of April, by this point they're only plus two, uh, Commander Weston approaches Admiral Sir Max Horton, who's a submarine man himself, yeah. signals to Iceland for the support group to sail to join XX231, even though it hasn't been attacked yet. But that's still three days away. Three days away, yeah. At 13.15, Tay's Huffduff heard German shore station acknowledging a signal. So, okay, that's the moment where you're thinking, right, this is all starting to kick off. 
Yeah. Uh, Canadian Naval HQ at St. John's identified as being a probable U-boat sighting of the convoy. Position of the single was 52, 30 north and 40 west. Horribly close by this point. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's obviously the first of the pickets going, okay, I've got it. Come to daddy. You yeah. know, form up on me, basically. And there... So on the night of the 3rd and 4th, a signal's received saying that three very long-range... Um, B-24 Liberators of 120 Squadron RAF will be leaving Newfoundland to Iceland on the 4th of April uh, and would spend time on the convoy en route. So that's reassuring, but will it come in time? That's the, yeah. that's the key thing. Well, tune, um, in, tune in next week to find out. Is that it? Have we stopped now, have we? Yep. That's it. Of we got to, really. We've done April nearly an hour. Nearly an hour. We have to stop there. Yeah. So there's your cliffhanger. What will happen on the 4th of April, 1943? On the night of the 3rd, 4th of April. It's all about to kick off. This yeah. is where the U-boats U- are converging. All yeah. getting quite tense. Yeah. Signals are starting to be received. Will yeah. they make it through? Convoy HX231 is... 700 miles or more from Iceland. What will happen? The other thing I just want to do is I, I we never thanked... Um, so when, when we started doing all this work on the tribal classes and stuff, yeah. um, I've got to say, great friend of the show, Steve Prince, um, and one of his psychics, Aidan Butler, have been absolutely unbelievably helpful, as they always are, firing over nuggets and bits of paper and yeah. bits of information and stuff. So massive shout-out and thanks to them because they've been great. We hope you've enjoyed our um, uh, HX231 stuff. Um, we'll find out what happens to the convoy next week, which was going to be... We were going to have done that, started that today, but we didn't manage. There you go. What can, what We've got to try and keep it a three, though, don't you think? We, do, we do really do try, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a long episode <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon, everybody. Cheerio. Cheerio. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.